they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Wonderful. Thank you. Now, one of the things that Christmas is about is pregnancy, isn't it? And uh, we're blessed in this church by having loads of midwives. And I've asked one of them to come forward now. It's Ricky Glenny, one of our resident midwives. Round of applause for Ricky. Thank you. If you're a midwife, won't you stand up? Yes, come on. There's one here. Uh, stand up. There we are, Steffi. Ricky's daughter is also a midwife. And uh, Debbie over there. We have others as well. My wife is driving back from Liverpool today, so she couldn't be here. But Ricky, how long have you been a midwife? Um, 35 years. 35 years. You don't look old enough, does she? And in that time, how many babies do you think you've delivered? Um, I probably deliver about 40 babies a year. So something like okay. maths. It's too many Who years. Who can do 35 times 40? Any mathematicians? Thank you. <laughs> you've delivered 1,400 babies. Wow. Round of applause for that. And the best one you've delivered is my daughter, Joanna. So there we are. Top of the tree out well, of 1,400. Well, of my babies in a congregation. Oh, wow. Gosh. <laughs> Sam, you're not... <laughs> not Sam. <laughs> Actually, Sam is young enough to have been delivered by you, Ricky. He is. A, a lot a, of them are young. That's enough. a wonderful thought, isn't it? That's great. Uh, have, you, have you ever got there, like, too late and the baby's already been born? Yes, we call that... BBA, born before arrival, but then we deliver after births. That's still important. Okay, right. We won't go there. But uh, can you remember any of the time you kind of, they've been born before arrival, any stories like dads trying to... It's quite often uh, when the ambulance calls us. So they talk to me on the phone, the ambulance crew, you know, and ask for advice and then sit in my car and I drive as fast as I can. And one was at two in the morning in the estates in Camberwell. And my tom-tom took me to the wrong address. And it was actually on the main road. And I was parked on double red lines in front of an ambulance in the middle of the night in Camberwell with a husband waiting for me downstairs whilst the ambulance crew was attending his wife. So the husband was downstairs out of the way. Yeah, waiting for Wise me. Wise man. Yeah. As soon as Yvonne, like, going I into... I would not have found the address. Yeah. No. As soon as Yvonne went into labor, I'm like, oh, midwives, get here now. What do you mean there's traffic? You've got to get here. Yeah. It's a bit scary uh, delivering a baby on your own. But actually, mm-hmm. Lois over there was came out in the car on the way to the hospital, didn't you? So, fantastic. We have yeah. some born-before-arrival babies here. Now, obviously, this is Christmas celebration. Have you got any insights from your professional knowledge of what it would have been like for Mary, maybe that Christmas yeah. day? So I'm looking after my women from when they're first pregnant till actually the baby's about a month old. And I think for Mary, she would have been looked after a traditional perf attendant who probably would have known Mary very well and helped her to prepare for the birth. 
But then she had to travel, you know, and she wouldn't have had any of those familiar people around her. And she wouldn't have had a scan where she would have known what time the baby is coming. And it probably just happened quite suddenly. And she had no one around her, you know. So it's a little bit like a BBA, isn't it? <laughs> With no birth attendance there. And she know? didn't have the birthing suite at King's College Hospital no. either. No, so I think uh, it would have been quite scary, I should think, you know, doing that alone, because it is one of the scariest moments for a woman, you know, to give birth, not knowing if all will be well. Okay, one final question. We're thinking a bit, because it's Christmas Eve, about hope and expectation. Is there anything about what, what does a new baby bring into a family or bring into a community? Um. I think no woman can even imagine how much she would love her baby, you know, when it's born. You know, that bond you have with that child is absolutely incredible. And then the family, when aunties and uncle and grandparents and neighbors meet that baby, is absolutely wonderful. When I was expecting Robbie, we had the baby at home. And... Um, during contractions, we looked out the window at 10 o'clock at night and some neighbors walked by the um, checklist. Okay. And they were absolutely pleased to hear that the baby would be born that night in their street, you know. So it's even neighbors, I think. People love babies, isn't it? So babies are good news. Good news. Wonderful. Big round of applause for Ricky Glenny. Thank you. Thank you, Jenny. We looked at uh, one of our three things this morning, pregnancy, and the next one is prophecy. I've asked Stevie to share for a few minutes on that. So hope you're getting excited and expectant at Christmas. Pregnancy, prophecy, and then there'll be one more. Thank you. Um, Let's just bow our heads quickly and let's pray, and then we'll get into this. Father, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to come down for us. You sent him to live a perfect life, Father, to redeem us from everything that we've done and to die on a cross for us. And we just thank you that we get to believe in these amazing prophecies, Father, that you sent um, and that you sent your son to be a humble, humble king. In your name I pray. Amen. So, guys, who is sad that the season for singing carols is nearly over? So we've got a few. I'm really, really sad. And one thing, one carol that I absolutely love at this time of year is Oh Holy Night. And there was a few lyrics in it that really stood out to me this, this year particularly. And it goes, Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. When we come to this story of Christmas, in the kind of backdrop of it, we have this huge looming empire over Israel. We have a people which have become victims. We have a people who have lost kind of sight. But in the midst of this, we get this story of hope. We get this story of Emmanuel, God with us. And for us, it's going, you know what? We might be in a midst in our lives, or we might be in the midst, other people we know in our lives are going through these really hard times that we can miss the whole big picture of God is with us. God is bringing hope. God is going to come soon. And, you know, today we're going to be looking at this prophecy in Isaiah 9, 1 to 7, if you want to get your Bibles out for that. Um, And in the chapter before this, we're given a picture of um, Israel's rejection of God. Israel's kind of just gone, we don't want this. And through that, they become, they kind of start to be in gloom and in darkness. However, what I absolutely love about the beginning of chapter 9 is that this word comes about and it goes, nevertheless, and then this is the verse that follows it. Um, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. 
There's going to be a time in the future in Galilee will be filled with the glory of God. Now, Isaiah gives this prophecy, and it's in the midst of a time when you've got kings and empires taking over their territory. They are not in a place where they can confidently say that, you know, God's here, God's rescued us, that the gloom and darkness is going to end, because for them, it really isn't. For them, they're going to go on for a few, probably more hundred years of empires taking over and destroying them and destroying their land. But there's this certainty that comes in the Isaiah passage. Now, I wanted to just do a few actions to remember this prophecy that Isaiah gives. So if we could do this together, maybe use both of your hands. So we're going to do C. Can everybody do that? So C. So God's called us to see. He's called us to shine. He's called us to grow. He's called us to rejoice. And he's called us to be free. So um, Isaiah gives this prophecy about the people of Israel in verses 2 to 4, in which, there are, um, in which he says these things. You know, the people will see, the people will shine, the people will grow, the people will rejoice, and the people will be freed. Now, I could imagine for us that in the midst of life and in the midst of busyness and everything else, that we forget this kind of calling that we have as the people of God. There are people, we're called to see what God is doing. We're called to rejoice in that. And we're called to move forward in the freedom that that brings. That whatever happens, whatever comes about, whatever political leaders are in power or whatever's happening in our personal lives, we can look forward to the day, one, when Jesus will return, but also have the certainty that he is with us, that he will bear our burdens, that he will walk with us. And that's what I really want us to get from today. You know, I was going through different parts of the Bible and, you know, we've got this thing about, you know, being light. You know, God says, you know, see light. But actually for us in Matthew 5 verse 16, it's going, I want you to be the light of the world. I want you to get out there. I want you to see things change because actually the spirit of God is inside of you. You are not just a people that have this pretty little book written 2000 years ago. You're a people with the spirit of God in you and you can move forward in that. And the second one was, you know, rejoice, you know, in Philippians 4 verse 4, it says rejoice in the Lord. Always I say rejoice. God has called us to rejoice in him constantly and constantly remember what he's done, what he's going to do, and to be rejoiceful in the fact that one day when this world is finished, when the political powers fall down, when time and age falls apart, that we're going to be with the Father in heaven. Amen? Amen. Let's do a bit better than that. Amen? Yeah. So for us, I want us to kind of take on this identity, you know, God has called us to be a people that see, can we do this together? People that see, a people that shine, a people that grow, a people that rejoice and a people that are freed. So kind of talking about this thing of prophecy, I was kind of looking at where has prophecy been in my own life? And in the past, I don't know if they still do this for the children, but we were given these kind of little prophecies with these kind of cards at, uh, on our birthdays. And there was this one from 2004 that I managed to find. My mum basically gave me all these kind of cards and prophecies a few years ago. And um, so this was from 13 years ago today. Um, and this was the kind, of, I'm just the kind of paraphrased version of the prophecy that was given to me. And it says this, Jesus wants you to know that he knows your name. He knows what, who you are and he knows what you feel. In this picture, I see a tall glass of fruit juice beside it, a much taller jug, which is filled with fruit juice. And the juice of the jug will constantly fill up your glass. This is the same with the word of God. It never runs dry, Stevie, 
when you are thirsty for God's word and when you are thirsty to know more about Jesus, knowledge and revelation will keep coming to you. So that's an amazing thing. I don't have a clue who wrote that. I don't have a clue who gave that to me. But that stuff has stayed, has now stayed with me for so long and it's in a safe place in my room. I promise you, mum. Um, and for, for me, like, I can honestly say that when I was given that gift, I was not excited about the prophecy in the card. I was far more excited about the £10 voucher for whatever it was at the time. Actually, I was only excited about the £10 voucher that it was for the time. And, you know, in, at this time, it wasn't easy for me when I was 10. You know, I had been maybe bullied for two years at this point, had very few friends. I didn't have hope. I didn't have this idea that God really loved me. And actually, I didn't even believe in God, really. I kind of went along with the church thing because that's what you're meant to do. But it's amazing that in this prophecy, it says that when you thirst for God, God will come, God will meet you, and God will reveal his revelation time and time again. And two years after this prophecy was given, when I was about 12, I remember being in Yamad, which is the younger youth group at this church at the time, and I remember Jeremy Zulu, who some of you guys will know, and he said, um, he was preaching on this thing that's always stayed with me. He went, you know what, we get really thirsty for the word of God when we stop reading it. For this point, I'd really rejected the idea of God. And he said, when we get thirsty for the word of God, God will come and he will meet us. And I remember just going to my bedroom that night and just being in tears, not knowing why, but just being in tears and going, God, I want you in my life. And I remember just opening my little red Gideon Bible and reading that for the first time and really just all this stuff I see my parents do, you know, I see from a young age, my dad speaking in tongues, my parents pr- praying and preaching and loving in the way God has taught them to. But for me, it became real. For me, Emmanuel had come. For me, this story was actually true. And for us, you know, we can constantly kind of hear this story of a God that comes, of a God that would humble himself, of a God that cares, but actually we don't get it for ourselves. Actually, we don't really receive that for ourselves and I think for us today that the hope comes that God knows our circumstance you know when someone says God hears you he knows you he feel knows how you feel I was feeling rubbish at that time but God knew how I feel and God knew the way I was going to get saved was through someone saying you're thirsty take a drink from him So for us, we can take this into our families, we can take this into our personal lives, we can take this into our nation, that we are a people that see, can we do this together, that see, we are a people that shine, we are a people that grow, we are a people that rejoice, and the people that are freed. Now, for us, let's be the people that are humble before God. Because Jesus, he has set a new order. He is re- a redeemed order, a leader who understands humility. He has come as a baby, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. He calls us to know him, to accept his identity for our lives, for our family lives, and for our nation. This Christmas, I urge us all Let's look at these prophecies. Let's look what God has said into your life years and years ago and actually go, God cares about you. God actually, you know, he really wants you in his kingdom. He really wants you to get this and not just to look at this kind of baby once a year, but actually go, what if this baby could change everything? What if this baby could really save my life and the life of my nation, the life of my family? That's T. Thank you, Stevie. Thank you. 
It's good to to hear that. I also love Christmas carols, and um, I was hearing about Holy Night, Oh Holy Night. It's a lovely carol, isn't it? About a guy travelling, I think, Victorian times from London to Paris. He wrote a poem in French, and he got to Paris, and uh, he gave it to a friend of his was who was a composer, uh, and he wrote the tune. And then a few years later, uh, an American uh, man did the translation, but quite a kind of free translation, and I think really improved it and took it to a new level. And that American guy was an abolitionist, and so the, 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 the words like the slave is our brother was a, a real point that he wanted to change society through that carol, and it's a wonderful carol that we've taken on board. So I hope you're still very expectant and anticipatory about Christmas. I hope you're in hope for the new year. We looked a bit at pregnancy. Thank you, Ricky. Uh, not you, Ricky, but uh, midwife Ricky over here. Jenny thought it was going to be you today. Um, we looked at prophecy, and it was great to hear how God loves us and he can speak personally into our lives. And now we're looking at presence. So I don't know if the, the system is working. So expectation, anticipation, and hope. Pregnancy, prophecy, and presence. And this is the last one. If you put the next slide up, we're meeting on Christmas Eve. Have you got a lot of expectation about what you might receive tomorrow. You're not bothered, are you? <laughs> no, you've got everything you need. You don't want any more presents. Well, I was thinking about presents. I was thinking about some of the worst Christmas presents ever. And I was remembering back a long time ago, uh, an aunt and uncle of mine uh, had some, they're a bit nutty in their family, had some relatives visiting in about October and they left their presents. They wrapped up their presents and gave them in October. And then on Christmas Day, we were around the house, and they got their presents out of this cupboard, and they opened it up, and this relative who'd given them the present in October had picked some little apples off their garden, wrapped them up, and so they were all moldy when they opened the present on Christmas Day, and I thought, that's probably one of the worst presents that uh, I've ever known given, so uh, don't, don't do that. I was listening to, uh, on the radio this week, about uh, a guy who made the effort to go round to his girlfriend's house on Christmas Eve and drop off a present for her. So he did that on Christmas Eve. And then later, uh, on Christmas Eve evening, he got a text. And she said, I'm dumping you. Can you believe it? Text dumped on Christmas Eve after you've taken the present round to you. I don't know if it was because of the present. But uh, isn't that terrible? Isn't that really, really bad? Another bad story. Uh, I can remember is my parents' friends. So they were quite kind of strict. And they had a son called Gary. And it's, it shows you how old the story is. No one calls their kids Gary or Nigel anymore, do they? <laughs> it will come back one day. Watch out. I'm prophesying it for the Corries. But uh, their twins, Gary and Nigel, will uh, come along in the next couple of years. But uh, <laughs> amen, brother. Um, but they, they, he was like, like really naughty and kept warning him, you know, if you, if you don't behave yourself, you won't get Christmas present. He wanted a bike for Christmas. Christmas Day came and he got nothing. How harsh is that? He didn't get his present because he'd been warned that he was being naughty. He hadn't changed. And they, they kept their word. How harsh is that? Anyone worried? Any worried looks around here? Martha, behave yourself. So you can get some bad presents. Oh, yeah, there's a few more quickly uh, about teenage boys. 
there was a boy at boarding school and they had some presents bef- just before the end of term while he was still at boarding school and he unwrapped his present and it was a book and the book was entitled How to Cope with Being Adopted. And it was news to him. He didn't realize he had been adopted. <laughs> How bad a present is that? And uh, there was another teenage lad and he saw his uncle in... Uh, uh, he saw his uncle in the summer, and he said, I really wish I could have a beard like yours. I mean, hipster beards are fantastic. Aren't you? He loved his uncle's beard. Anyway, on Christmas Day, he opened a present. There was a present there from his uncle. He opened it up, and it was his uncle's beard that he'd shaved off and given to him for Christmas. I'm giving you ideas, aren't you? It's not too late to uh, go Christmas shopping or do something. And there are two more. A 13-year-old boy, and he, he, he saw this present. He looked like it's going to be a, a couple of video games. So he opened up his Christmas present, and it was two of his own old video games. Given for, he'd made the mistake of leaving them in his parents' bedroom, and his mum thought his dad had bought them for him for Christmas. <laughs> so she'd wrapped them up, and that was his present. Two of his own old video games. And then one final one, a husband who believes in buying his wife inexpensive Christmas presents that are very practical. And uh, this is what he does, apparently. And he buys her things like a packet of paracetamol for Christmas or a can of WD-40. That's what he buys. They've been married for 15 years. They're still married. I don't know what she's going to get tomorrow, but that is the level of it, you know. Anyone be happy with a can of WD-40 or a packet of paracetamol? You'd have them for your Christmas pre- as main presents as well. And I've got a mind for useless information before we say something serious. Anyone know why WD-40 is called WD-40? There's a prize attached with this. Glenn. Okay, and what about WD? Don't know. Okay, I hear information. That's, you get a prize for that. WD, Glenn, come and catch this. WD stands for water displacement. And 40 is the the previous 39 versions of the formula weren't quite good enough. So he got to number 40. He thought that formula's the right one. Anyway, so bad Christmas presents. Don't take inspiration from those. Um, And the present finder, I looked that up because you can still go Christmas shopping. Please don't, but you could. It's only Christmas Eve, so you could still go. I looked up the presentfinder.com, and their top 100 gifts, they have things like a color-changing Bluetooth speaker, a builder's tea mug in the style of London brick. Builder's tea mug, that's good, eh? A jar of bacon jam. Not very attractive. They do other things as well, like a handmade leather hippo. They do Woof, the board game that the dog could play too. Don't know how it works, but look it up, Woof. They do giant gin glasses. Anyone find a use for a giant gin glass this Christmas? They do edible chocolate iPhones. That'd be really disappointing, wouldn't it, if you thought you got an iPhone and it was an edible chocolate one. And you can also buy a million pounds notes. They cost two ninety nine, so a real bargain. But those are things from Present Finder. But I was thinking about Christmas carols, and I went to a carol service the other day and sang in the bleak midwinter. And uh, this is one of the verses, What can I give him, poor as I am, 
If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what I can, I give him, give my heart. And Christmas is a lot about giving and presents, is it? isn't it? But the main thing is not what we can give, but it's what God has given to us. And I want to finish up by looking at God's gift. And some verses first from a letter uh, to the Romans, and it says this. There's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God. So our common forefather, Adam, through disobeying God, opened the way for sin and death to come into the world. But God realized that problem, and he came as a solution himself in the person of Jesus to re-head up the human race, to do things right where we'd had failed. And in Jesus, the perfect man who was also God with us in human form puts the whole thing back in the right way and gives us forgiveness and restores us into a relationship with Father God. That's the great gift to us this Christmas. Let's just spend the last couple of minutes unwrapping that gift a little bit. If you put the next slide, we're going to do that by looking a little bit of the Bible. And these three parts, the Magnificat, the Benedictus, and the Nunc Dimittis. Now, what are they? What does the Magnificat, what does that mean? Magnificat. We have someone doing A-level Latin over there. So, anyone? Praise, yeah, praise or magnify. And that's Mary's song, isn't it? Mary's song when uh, she's inspired by the Holy Spirit when she hears she's going to give birth to the Savior. What's Benedictus mean? Blessing or good word. Yep, a blessing. And that's Zachariah's prophecy when he's going to be the father of John the Baptist and he prophesies. And what's Nunc Dimittis? That Simeon's song. You remember they brought Jesus to the temple and Simeon prophesies. And Nunc Dimittis, now I can depart, now dismiss me uh, because I've seen the saviour of the world. And they're found in Luke 1 and 2. So what does Luke 1 and 2, what do these things say about God's wonderful gift for us? And we're going to run through them very quickly. They say these things just in those two chapters of the Bible. They say that the Lord is with us. And that's what the angel Gabriel said to Mary. And one of the titles of Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God, God with us. It's a wonderful thing to have God with you, isn't it? I was remembering that old Graham Kendrick song, For the Joys and For the Sorrows, the best and worst of times. Whatever we're going through in life, God with us is a wonderful thing. And I want that to be my experience, not just getting through life my own way and my best efforts, but God with me in the person of Jesus. That's a wonderful promise. It says that God's rule and reign is coming in. Jesus was born in the earthly line of King David. And Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here now. You can see and experience God's kingdom happening. And I want to see more on that. You can say, be healed to someone 
and God's healing power can touch their lives. A couple of weeks ago, we had communion, and Jenny invited people to come forward for prayer. Uh, and a man stood there, and me and Eleanor uh, Legister prayed for him, and he had all these lumps up his arm. And we just prayed, in Jesus' name, be healed. And I saw him at Alpha on the Wednesday. He said, oh, these lumps are kind of going. And uh, he's actually going to go to the hospital uh, in early January for an appointment. And uh, if the doctors confirm that they're going away, then I'm, he'll come back and give glory to God. So God's kingdom, God's rule can come. And it says that his kingdom will have no end. It's very different from earthly kingdoms. God comes in a subversive, often gentle way, not might is right, like the world says. But God's kingdom is working like yeast in the dough, and his kingdom will never end. We get to the point in Revelation eleven fifteen where it says, the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our God and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever. It says that nothing will be impossible with God. It doesn't mean that everything you want will just happen like that. But there's nothing off limits, nothing you can't pray about in the power of the name of Jesus. Nothing that he can't do. It was interesting. uh, I walked out my door on Friday and a neighbor over the road kind of came over the road and said, are you a priest? And I said, well, kind of. She said, you believe, don't you? Will you say a prayer? And she'd never said anything like that before. We've lived opposite for years. And she said, uh, my granddaughter, Olivia, is five, and I think she might have cancer. And she's going to the Royal Marsden Hospital. If you're a priest, if you believe, will you pray? And I'm happy to pray. And with God, nothing is impossible. And if, if she comes to your mind, will you pray as well and say a prayer for little Olivia? We don't know what the situation is. But if there's a hopeless situation, if there's a serious illness, we don't have to back off because with Jesus coming, with God, nothing is impossible. And we're not going to have time to go through all of these. God shows mercy to all who revere him. God scatters the proud and haughty. Isn't that great when God knocks off their pedestals, those people that are proud and haughty. God raises up the humble You may feel unnoticed and unappreciated, but God notices you and he will raise you up. God dethrones rulers. Power corrupts, doesn't it? People can't hold power well, usually. And there's a lot of rejoicing in Zimbabwe at Mugabe finally going. I hope his successor does a much better job. But God will dethrone rulers and raise up the humble. And God fills the hungry with good things and uh, i'll leave the many other points i had on the next slide but just to say god does fill the hungry with good things i know many of you support the work we do at food bank here at uh, forest hill community church and the people that were served this last week were kind of record numbers each session of people that came in needing food and because of your generosity because of the inspiration of Jesus. We've been able to feed them. I had a, a text from Gary who helps run the food bank this morning. He said he, he thinks he's probably fed about 800 people just through our food bank in December alone, just this month. 
And uh, one story that I mentioned at the carol service was uh, an Asda van turning up and this guy uh, bringing in crates of food. And they kept coming and they kept coming. And he had 48 crates of food. And he said someone did an online shop and they've donated this food to Food Bank. And we said, 48, how much is that? They said, oh, they spent 990 pounds. Just one person doing an online shop for Food Bank. God fills the hungry with good things. It's true physically and it's true spiritually. If you have a hunger and a desire and a thirst for him, he's going to satisfy that. He's going to fill it. And God's gift to us at Christmas is in the person of Jesus. And Jesus becomes real to us when we receive the Holy Spirit Jesus went back to heaven, having loved us, having lived a perfect life, having died on the cross. He rose again and returned to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit to make God real in your life today, to be God with you today and every day throughout the coming year and throughout your life. It's the most wonderful gift there is. And it's your choice whether to leave it on the shelf or to approach it and unwrap it and make it your own. And I'd like to recommend that you do that, that you find the reality of God in your life, that he is God with you, and you receive that wonderful gift yourself.